You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So hey, we always, uh, before, uh, during Advent, we always establish a playlist uh, on Spotify and iTunes Music. If you want to download the playlist, you can search for me, Fred Ligon, and then you'll see the WCC Advent theme for the week, and it's always per each week. So this week, we have a playlist for hope. Now, we try to, um, we try to create playlists that is representative of the different styles of music that is representative in our church, and with, with much prayer and fasting and consideration, I have done the best I can to include country music. Um, but you will never, ever, and I repeat, never hear Mariah Carey on a playlist um, that I am a part of. And so I invite you to cleanse all Mariah Carey songs from your head and just receive the gift of Advent <laughs> that is there this, uh, this season. Oh, my goodness. Ah. John, Siri is talking to me up here, just so you know. I think, I think oh, you know what? That's what it was. I would say the word playlist. And then Siri would get ready to launch. Oh, my goodness, I kept saying Mariah Carey. No, John, I just turned it off because it had Mariah Carey. It's looking for Mariah. That's not. We may need to pray. (laughs) That's a first. My goodness. And all the music and all the mayhem that sometimes comes from the holidays Almost unnoticed each year, long comes Advent, four weeks prior to Christmas. And despite all the Christmas music that surrounds us, we don't always see it or feel it when it arrives. But I think that's exactly when we need it. It's been another hard and strange year. For some of us, it's added to a years of hard years. For others, it's been so disorienting that we feel tired. For some... It's been a little more normal because we've been reunited with others we haven't seen in a long while. Either way, there's been a lot of feelings this year. And what hasn't seemed to change is the way we move through life, especially during the holidays. Many days, we're just tempted to move through life by grinding it out, going from place to place, giving when we can, and getting what we need. Grinding, going, giving, and getting. It's easy to get caught up in some version of this cycle. And it's in the middle of all this grinding, going, giving and getting along, that along comes Advent, four weeks prior to Christmas. And it can be this disruption for us. It can disrupt that cycle. It can be a gift to us. If we're willing to pause, Advent can help us turn our attention away from ourselves, if only for a few weeks. If we are willing to try it, it can reset our mind and heart toward a better story than that story of grinding, getting, and giving, and going. And and if we're willing, if we're willing, if we're willing, it can sweep us into hope. It can create in us a longing for peace, an awakening of joy, and a deeper commitment to love. Church, I wished so much, just just as a Christian, As a Christ follower, much less a pastor, I wish so much that every member of this church would dig in during the season of Advent with great purpose and intentionality. And even if you've just kind of gone through the motions for 10 years as a part of this church or you've never done it before, that you would would dig into the scriptures and the hymns and the practices of lighting the candle every night or multiple times during the week to remember 
that Isaiah promised and the reality of the God who has come and who is coming again. Be reminded of the story of the God who is present. That in this world of grinding, going, giving, and getting, that God is at work. And if we just pay attention, if we just pay attention each day for the next 27 days to the story of Advent, if we allow ourselves to sit with this story and take it in, if we allow ourselves to participate in the liturgies of the story, if we allow ourselves to be fully present to the Christ who is present, we can have our souls prepared for the goodness of God that is always to come. We need Advent. And I think we need some guides for Advent. So they're in this series that we're calling Awaiting the Already. We're going to allow each one of the Gospels to lead us this year through the story of Advent. And so we're going to start with Mark today. We're going to let Mark guide us because Mark's gospel is a grind. Mark is the shortest of the gospels and considered to be the oldest of the gospels. And it seems that Mark's favorite word is immediately. Everybody say immediately. That's his favorite word. He says it over 41 times in his gospel. Three times more than everybody else. Mark's in a hurry. Grinding and going. Getting to the point. Where Matthew, Luke, and John fill their gospel story with teachings of Jesus Mark's all about the action. Do you remember what Mark says about the birth of Jesus? <laughs> yeah, me neither, because he doesn't say anything about it. Mark and Luke have these long birth stories. Even John has this opening introduction to the arrival of God in Christ, but Mark is grinding and going. There's no angels, no shepherds, no mention of Mary or Joseph, no star, no manger. In the ninth verse of the first chapter, Jesus is grown. And what I like about Mark's gospel is that I can relate. He's a get to it, let's get after it kind of guy. He wants to grind out the gospel story for us so we can get on with it. This fast-paced, action-packed gospel that Mark wants us to see something. Even in the midst of it all, he wants us to see something. He wants us to see something we need in his fast-moving gospel for faster-moving people. That's why Mark begins, I think, immediately in his story with John the Baptist. <clears throat> Mark chapter 1. See, Matthew and Luke, they don't talk about John until about their third chapter, but Mark begins with it immediately. He wants us to hear John's voice calling out from the wilderness. If you have your Bibles, Mark 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel, or good news, about Jesus Christ, God's Son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I'm sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way. A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. Verse 4, John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Verse 5, everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. Verse 6, John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, one stronger than I 
am is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Right there, you see it? In the very beginning. John's voice rises to the first few verses of Mark's gospel like sirens blaring in our rear view mirror telling us to pay attention, slow down, and if needed, move over. Y'all, we live in a pressurized society of deadlines and immediate results rather than a lifelong commitment to slow growth and maturity. We are speeding through society, twisted up by cynicism and anxiety instead of embracing a world of imagination and possibility. Some of us are even saying we aren't ready for Advent or we aren't ready for Christmas, and that's exactly the point. We're not ready, and we need to be ready. Because oftentimes we're not ready for God to demonstrate His loving reign in our lives because we're too busy trying to reign over our own lives. And then when we think we are ready for Advent, we want to skip right to the good stuff. No, we'd rather have angels than a crazy King Herod. We'd rather have shepherds and a shining star a baby in a manger rather than a refugee family. And we cling to these images because they're good and they make us feel good and we need to feel good. Even if it's only a temporary reprieve or some sort of spiritual high, but the reality is it's not sustainable. We need more than the spiritual high or buzz or some sort of spiritual pep rally. We need Mark. We need Mark and all this fast-paced grinding and going that leads us to John the Baptist. We need to hear John the Baptist's voice of prepare the way. Because, beloved, Advent is about preparation. It's about learning how to await the already. Everybody say, await the already. We need to learn how to open ourselves up to the reality of the God who has come and who is coming again. It's a learned way of life. It doesn't always come natural. The grinding, the going, the giving when we can and the getting what we need, that comes more natural, doesn't it? The timekeeping, the hurry, the hustle and the bustle, the plans and the parties and the priorities, that's what comes natural. What doesn't often come natural, what doesn't often come the most natural for us is learning how to see the presence of God at work in the world. And so we need to prepare Two times in the introduction that Mark gives with John the Baptist, he uses the word prepare. Two times. He says, prepare the way. And then he says, there's one who will prepare the way. And it sounds redundant, but Mark is clever because Mark is pulling a trick. This is a nerd moment for me. Mark is using two different Greek words for the same English word prepare. The first word prepare in the Greek is a Greek word that can also mean construct. To create, to furnish, to equip. And it has this sense of making a vessel or making a building or making an object ready for use. The scriptures use this word in all of its derivatives to describe household goods, containers, and other kinds of commonplace items for preparation for something. In the Christian scriptures, namely in Hebrews chapter 3 or chapter 9 and 1 Peter chapter 3, this Greek word for prepare is also used to describe the tabernacle and Noah's ark. 
important vessels that are associated with God's deliverance and presence. So in a sense, the Greek word for one of the words translated prepare can mean to make worshipers of God ready as vessels of God's love, compassion, and mercy. It's like Mark is using this first word to say, hey, make yourself ready. Make yourself ready to receive the love and the presence of God so that you can become a vessel of the love and the presence of God. That's the language. And then there's a second word for prepare in the Greek, which is what we normally mean when we say the word prepare. It means get ready. It's an anticipation of something to come. It's the Greek word that's often associated with the coming future of God and the promises of God in the new heavens and the new earth. Or in John 14, um, or 1 Corinthians 2 and Hebrews 11, it's also the word that's used throughout the Gospels um, that has the images of the great wedding and the great banquet feast that is to come. Mark uses this word for prepare as if to say, get your life ready. So if you put the two words together for prepare, the two Greek words, it's as if Mark is saying to us as we read this side of the cross, hey, make yourselves ready as vessels to receive Jesus as king and be ready to participate in the abundant life Jesus brings. See, while Mark is the only one to use the word prepare twice in all of the Gospels, to help us see our need to be ready to receive and to live in light of the abundant life that Christ the King brings. There's one thing that he and Matthew and John and Luke have in common in their story of John, and it's the whole make the path straight language. See, that's important too. Because part of the preparedness is learning how to walk in a straight line. Now, did you know that we humans can't walk in a straight line naturally, right? unless we have our eyes fixed on something. But if you close your eyes, which we could do an exercise, but it would get ugly, you're not going to walk in a straight line, walk zigzag, bump into each other, bump into all kinds of things. Might as well be in the dark. But if we have our eyes fixed on something, a line or an object, we can walk toward it. So part of preparation is taking time during this season to ask, where are we fixing our eyes? Because if it's the grinding and the going, the getting and the giving, when we can and getting what we need, when we need it, then we are liable to be led by the grinding, the going, the giving and the getting. And we'll go wherever that leads. But if we want to experience the hope, and the peace, the joy, the love, that Jesus brings, the abundance of God's presence now and to come, then we must learn to walk in a straight line. And I got to tell you, it's easier to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus when I'm walking in line with God's people who are also keeping their eyes fixed on Jesus. It's a little easier to walk in a single file line when somebody's in front of me showing me the way. I think that's partly what Mark wants us to see. That he wants us to see that that Advent is the story of God as the coming one who disorders the world as we know it for the sake of a world that is to come. He disorders the current world. That is why the teachings of the gospel disorients us, and that's okay. 
It's the story of a divine proposal that Jesus, as Israel's Messiah, proclaimed the coming of God's kingdom as good news and then demonstrated the nature of that kingdom by proclaiming the forgiveness of sins, healing the sick, casting out demons, eating with the marginalized tax collectors and sinners, and inviting all hearers to leave the realities of the old world that we're so committed to because it's passing away because a new world has broken into the present in Christ the King. Are you with me? That's our invitation. And that's the story of Advent. That God has come and is coming Offering us the hope of a world the governments and powers of this age are incapable of giving us. A restored world of self-giving love, of abiding peace, and unending joy that flow from the fullness of God's presence. It's a world that through his inbreaking kingdom has come into the present through the resurrected Lord. Yet, yet is a world that will experience the fullness of this coming of the kingdom when Christ comes for the final advent, but the first advent has come. See, because advent reminds us that God has never failed to keep God's promises. God's timing may not be my timing, but God is always on time, even when I feel like God is late. We remember that God is prone to doing the unthinkable and unimaginable, just as God did in coming to us as the Christ child born a refugee in a manger to a poor refugee family. And greater still, God is the only one with the power to do something so unexpected. Advent begins in the dark because so many times we find ourselves disoriented. I want you to think of the disorientation. I want you to imagine what would happen if the reality of Advent took your attention away from the disorientation and into the reorientation the gospel story can bring. It could change things. See, because we remember that God will not fail to keep God's promises no matter how long the silence or deep the aching. It's, it's there in the silence and sometimes even the aching when we remember that many of our ideas just, just may be wrong. They may be short-sighted. They may be the result of being overcome by the aching and embellished by impatience. And so it's in the company of the church that we remember the story of Advent, that God has not left us alone, and God will never leave us alone. And that we have God's Spirit because we have Jesus. And because we have God's Spirit, we have one another. And the story of Advent has the power to shine a light on the world that is lost in darkness and make crooked paths straight so we can walk in hope. And even though the one Isaiah said would be this great light that has dawned, he makes a claim about a kind of light that has come, but not yet fully. The light has only dawned. Everybody say dawned. That's the language of the Scripture. It is dawned. We're just now starting to see. So here's my question, beloved. Will you take the season of Advent and find ways to break the cycle of grinding, going, giving when you can and getting all that you need? Will you pause long enough to await the already and do so with hopefulness? Will you take the season of Advent and learn how to live like you believe that God keeps his promises. Will you take the season of Advent and look for the signs of God's presence? 
These signs that are like God's promissory notes of hope for his future coming. They are signs of living hope that will one day be paid full at the final advent of Christ as king of the new heavens and new earth. It's the presence of God with us, the God who has come to us, the Christ who is our living hope. No matter what this world offers in its grinding, its going, its giving and getting, we know that in Jesus, God's presence offers us abundant life. But listen, we also know that sometimes it will not look as we expect. But God doesn't do as we expect. God does the surprising and the unexpected. And oftentimes does it in the hard. And oftentimes does it in a whisper or the whimper of a Christ child. See, in each season of Advent, God always proposes to each of us a question. Do you long for hope, for peace, for joy, and for love? Do you believe it is possible Will you and I prepare our hearts and minds? Will we be willing to rearrange our activities and habits? Will we be willing to reprioritize things in our lives, including even relationships, to receive the presence of Christ the King and all He brings? Another way to say it would be, do you believe that God has given us a great light Shining on the possibility of transformation, of liberation, of healing, of newness. All coming about in the form of a miracle. We remember during Advent, the arrival of God in the flesh, the Christ child called Emmanuel, God with us. And each week we come together, each week, and we light the candle. We are saying, yes, yes, God, we long for it. Yes, God, we believe it is possible. Sometimes we're lighting it saying, yes, we believe, but help us in our unbelief. Beloved, it's important to remember what Advent teaches us is that sometimes the greatest act of faithfulness is to say yes. Even a shaky, unsteady, unsteady yes, and that kind of yes is enough because the flicker of hope is all we need. Hope, peace, joy, and love. It can be ours as we await the already of the God who is coming and has come. And so each week, so each week we'll come to the table, see, and we'll start off the gathering at the table, remembering the night that Jesus came when we light the candle, and then we'll come toward the end of the gathering and remember the night Jesus was betrayed. We'll come to the table at the beginning of the gathering and remember all of those who surrounded Christ who came to us as a Christ child in a starlit night, surrounded by the shepherds, the ragtag folk of his day, his mother and father, and then we'll come at the end to the table and remember that Jesus was surrounded by friends and even enemies, 
on the night he was betrayed. We'll begin at the table and we'll end at the table. We'll begin at the beginning of the story and we'll end at the other beginning of the story. Every week, it's the beauty of Advent. So here's my hope before we come to the table. That you will truly think about the things you can do over the next four weeks, 27 days, to rethink things. That you'll take a look at the hustle, all the parties and all the yeses, all the events and all the activities, and that you'll say no to some. Say no to more than you've ever said before. So you can settle in and be still, learn to wait. My hope is that you'll light the candles in your home, that you'll take time and you'll take the worship guide with you and read the confession aloud and pray the prayer aloud and light the candle that corresponds with each week. My hope is that you'll find the music that corresponds to the theme of the week and that you'll immerse yourself in it. My hope is that we will all gather here again next Sunday and rehearse after rehearsing the week of hope, come and prepare our hearts to rehearse the week of peace so that when it's all said and done and we celebrate the Christ who has come, that we will live like a people of the story. That we'll live like we believe it. No matter the cost. Because we will remember what it cost for us to have joy and life and peace. Beloved, we are loved by God and we are known by God and this is a celebration of that love. Let's relish in that. But let's make it a season, not a day. Let it be a purposeful time in our lives. That we begin anew. It's the new year, y'all. Let's celebrate it as such. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.